What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just want to remind you, the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the industry and has been tested and refined through years of wisdom and experience. You need to check Skybox out. There's a lot of posers, a lot of pretenders in the handicapping industry. Skybox is the real deal. They've been leading clients to profit for years now. I promise you they will do the same for you. You've got football season coming up. There's no better time to test these guys out. Like you can do a day pass, 10 bucks, you know, test the waters a little bit. I recommend doing a full on your pass and just diving right in. I promise it'll pay for itself and then some, but I get it. You maybe want to try it for a week, maybe try it for a month. They're going to have a package that fits your price range. You could do a week-long all-sports package, week-long sports insert. Right now, you're really kind of going with either NASCAR or baseball. There's some NBA final stuff as well, but that's kind of what you're rolling with the Skybox right now. You could do a month-long all-sports, month-long sports-specific. Whatever kind of fits your price range, I promise you these guys will have a pack, picks package that will fit your price range. Particularly, I know a lot of you degenerates out there are going to want to be diving into this during football season. Don't just aimlessly wander onto the board uh, your first football Saturday, football Sunday of the weekend. Let Skybox guide you. They're going to make you money. It'll be well worth the investment, and you won't have to meet the man on Monday morning and him asking you for a Venmo request. Skybox is the real deal. I promise you, you're going to want to try these guys out. I'm wearing a Skybox hat as we speak. They have some pretty sick merchandise as well, but their picks are even better. Trust me, you're going to want to check these guys out. Go to their website, skyboxsportspicks.com, pick a package, and then you put in the promo code RIPPY, and you get 20% off just for being a listener to this podcast and hopefully subscribing to the newsletter. So you're welcome for that. But please, when you do go buy a package, use the promo code because it tells them that we sent you and you it, it costs less. So it's free money for you, and it helps out the website as well. And by the website, I mean us, not Skybox. But I appreciate uh, appreciate their business. Happy to have them on board. Seriously, go check these guys out. If you're into the sports wagering game, I promise you they're going to lead you to profit and it's better than you flying blind and then having to shell out money to your bookie on Monday. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. You know the drill. It's been a couple of weeks. Might be time for a grill corner with Greg. LB's is absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. If you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter right now, that's rippyrights.substack.com. All you do is type in your email. You get a newsletter from yours truly three to five times a week and discounted meats. I'll let you decide which one's better. But Greg's running a special for Rippy Rights subscribers. Just show him proof of subscription and you'll get a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks and a pack of sausage for $5. That's one hell of a start to your week. I'll reach out to Greg this week, see if we can change up the deals for the people out there. Mix it up a little bit as you get off in the mix in this late summer swing. We need to go check him out. It's absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Oxford is so lucky to have it. Go try the Lane Train special, Keith Carter special, the just array of mouth-watering sausages they have, whether it's the uh, ribeye sausage, spicy ribeye sausage, Oh, Greg, I think had a blueberry sausage a while back. They have all kinds of stuff over there. You need to go check them out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Today, we have Mailbag Friday, the triumphant return of the people's holiday. 
uh, with special guest LB's Greg, the meat sharp. I split it into two, so I took the sports-related questions at the top and then let Greg get into some more uh, grill corner-ish mailbag questions in the second half of the pod. So, let's go. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Friday. I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes Podcast. No one on the other end of the line yet. We're going to go with another, uh, another solo lead before we get into Greg's Grill Corner. Uh, I'll answer kind of the, some of the mailbag Friday questions in the open here. So I kind of divvied up the questions between uh, grilling and non-sports related questions and then more of the old Miss-centric questions I'll answer here at the top in the solo. But also I want to touch on some golf here in today's open because I find one of the things that happened in the Open Championship yesterday fascinating. But thank you for tuning in for another to another edition of the Rippy Rides podcast. Got some exciting stuff on the horizon, I think you guys are going to love as we near football season, kind of lining up the podcast schedule, uh, kind of a regular guest rotation during football season. I'll have a, probably an announcement on that here in the next week or so. So stay tuned for that. I think you guys are going to like it. And I'm excited to get out of this dead period and into football season. So you no longer have to hear me talk solo for an hour on end because who really wants that? But anyway, uh, but thank you for tuning in to another edition of Rippy Rights, now part of the Rivals Rebel Grove Podcast Network. Excited to be partnering with Chase and Neil, uh, and welcome to all of the new listeners. I don't think I've said that enough, said that before. I'm acting like this is my first podcast, but I do appreciate everyone tuning in. It's been awesome uh, experience for me, and, uh, and the new audience has been absolutely fantastic. But Anyway, last, uh, last plug, sign up for the Rippy Rights newsletter, rippyrights.substack.com. You get uh, discounted meats at LBs and information from uh, yours truly three to five times a week. So I'll let you decide which one is better there. Anyway, in today's open, before I get to some of the mailbag questions, I want to touch on this Bryson DeChambeau thing, which I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but... Bryson DeChambeau is making headlines again uh, regarding his equipment and his manufacturing. Uh, he's pissed off his sponsors, basically, and I don't necessarily blame either oh, – I'd say blame either side. I don't necessarily blame them in this case. So Bryson DeChambeau yesterday goes out, and he shoots an opening round one over – I guess that's 71 there. You'll have to forgive me because I'm now a schmuck with a uh, – with a day job, I am not. Uh, I have not been able to watch a ton of the British Open because the TV schedule is not conducive. But anyway, uh, he shoots one over yesterday. Clearly not happy about it. I think he only hit four fairways. And after his round yesterday, he gets asked in his post-round press conference what was going wrong, and he said, "Quote." The driver sucks. It's just not a good face for me, and we're still trying to figure out how to make it make it good on the miss hits. I'm living on a razor's edge like I've been telling people for a long time. I think the quote was a little bit longer than that. I'm uh, reading a shortened version of it. But basically what he was doing was crapping on the technology, which in today's day and age uh, in golf where, you, you know, they're talking about equipment rollbacks and limitations and trying to get uh, – you know, the bomb and gouge part of the game that's kind of become infested in golf out of the game. Um, it's kind of laughable that DeChambeau, someone with, you know, trying to get to 200-mile-an-hour ball speed and, you know, 140-mile-an-hour club head speed is uh, complaining about the equipment. 
but it's like it 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 caused a it caused a stir and then credit to whoever from someone from golf week actually called a cobra rep from cobra's manufacturing uh for a quote about it uh to follow up after bryson's comments and uh this man's name is what is this guy's name something showman in showman he's a rep for i guess that's cobra um and his quote was quite scathing. He said, everybody's bending over backwards. We've got multiple guys in the R&D who are CADing. I'm guessing that's some sort of computer design thing. Nerd talk, not important. Trying to get this into the pipeline faster. Bryson knows it. It's just really painful when he says something stupid. He's never really been happy, like, ever. Like, it's very rare he's happy. Now he's in a place where he's swinging a five-degree driver with 200, mile, 200 RPM ball speed. Everybody's looking for a magic bullet. Well, that magic bullet becomes harder and harder to find the faster you swing and the lower your loft gets. He's like the eight-year-old who says he hates you, and it's like, oh, whoa, no, he doesn't actually hate you. Whoa. So, Bryson DeChambeau, after an opening round 71, which he was not out of the tournament, uh, won over at, uh, by any stretch, wasn't a great round, uh, decides just to go scorched earth on his equipment manufacturing, which is absolutely hilarious considering the source and Bryson DeChambeau kind of being uh, the self-proclaimed uh, physicist on tour, scientist, whatever you want to call it. All his clubs are the same length. You kind of get the picture there. If there's ever like an equipment tinkerer guy, you know, you all have that friend. Back when uh, particularly the adjustable driver heads were a big deal, you all had that friend who'd go try to tinker with it mid-round. And, you know, odds are he's probably a 15, 16 handicap as, as is. And he's going from heavy draw to fade mid-round. It's like, dude, just hit the shot. Like, Jesus Christ, that is not the equipment's fault. That's kind of what Bryson is, but a much improved version of that. Uh, and he took a lot of heat for it to the point where uh, he's issued a public apology and kind of, uh, I guess, condemning the statement he made. I'm not really big into public apologies unless you've done actually something criminal or something really, really bad uh, or said something, you know, I don't know, overtly uh, offensive to the uh, 10th degree. Anyway, public apologies don't do a ton for me. Uh, but I did find this story interesting because, uh, one, it's, it's very rare you see an equipment manufacturer clap back at one of their guys like that. And it's also very rare you see guys dump on their equipment. But if there was anyone that was going to do it, it was going to be Bryson DeChambeau. And it caused a stir. People are, uh, you know, it, 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 he's the content king, I think is no laying up, likes to facetiously call him. But uh, it, it's something that's funny to me just because, and I'm not making excuses for Bryson. And I, I would tell you, 18 months ago, if, if you ever listened to me on radio, and I'm not sure how much the overlap is between here and there. I, I can't imagine at the time. But, like, Borky and I hated DeChambeau. Anything he said and did, it was kind of the era where the – the era, the time where the flag stick in and out was kind of a hot debate when they opened up that rule. Uh, anything he said and did, we just kind of made fun of. But Bryson has kind of grown on me uh, lately. And I think it's because I figured out that he's genuinely just this big of a dork. This is not some stick. It's genuine. And whether you're a cool guy or kind of a douche or kind of a nerd or whatever you want to call it, I can appreciate uh, something, someone being genuine and things being genuine uh, in nature uh, more so than a guy that's like a total fraud. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head who seems like a complete and total fraud. And I can't think of, a, I guess, a great example off the top of my head right now. But we all know them across sports. There's guys that kind of put on a good face, but you know it's all completely fake. Uh, Ole Miss had a head coach that was one for a while. Anyway, uh, so I can appreciate that, but it's, it, I'll offer you one thought on these comments, I guess, before I move on to something a little more interesting. Bryson has dubbed himself kind of the equipment physicist 
tinker guy. Like he loves that that's his brand. And so I just wonder if there's part of me where in his head, he knows he hit the driver like crap yesterday. He hit four of 14 fairways. He knows he hit it terrible, but he prides himself on tinkering and having the utmost, like the, the, his equipment being at the peak of its powers to allow him to do what he does on a golf course. And so when he publicly craps on the equipment, I just wonder if Bryson's coming from the place of he's putting that on his shoulders. Like my equipment wasn't good enough. Like that's on me for not getting it there rather than dumping on the manufacturers because he says, it's just not a good face for me. We're still trying to make the miss hits like seem good is essentially what he's saying. So he didn't say anything about Cobra's equipment being bad or anything regarding Cobra being a bad brand or him wanting to switch brand. He started off with the big quote, the driver sucks right now. And so when I first heard that part of it, I was like, oh, I think, he, you know, some people say the driver sucks right now and you're, they're insinuating I'm swinging the driver terribly. And he went on to talk about the equipment and tinkering with it. And I just wonder if that's the piece that's getting missing here is he put so much on himself and so much pride, rightly or wrongly, into having the best equipment, having the optimal equipment, and uh, kind of having an edge on everyone in the equipment factor. He thinks he's smarter than everyone else with the way he designs his equipment, right? His, all the clubs are the same size, and he thinks he's smarter because of that. And he's always tinkering with grooves and uh, launch angles and you know, degrees aloft and stuff like that. So I wonder if in his mind, like he was placing blame on himself and his preparation, because that is a big part of his preparation. Uh, and it came out that he's done, it came out like the way it was perceived that he's dumping on his equipment manufacturer. It clearly he was frustrated after a bad round for all the things you want to fright fault Bryson for. He does care. Uh, you, you can't necessarily fault him for that. So I just wonder if that's being lost on it. And I feel like I, it sounds like I'm making excuses for Bryson. And maybe I am. I'm not a Bryson fan, but I think he's a lot better for the game than some other guys like a Patrick Reed. Or I'm a Kepka fan, but the Kepka-Bryson beef seems needlessly one-sided. And, you know, Bryson didn't necessarily do anything to ask for it. And so I guess what I'm trying to get at is I think Bryson is harmless. And I think he's an entertaining character that whether you like him or not, he's I think he's good for the game. I really do. I think he's interesting. I think he makes things interesting. He thinks about the game differently, whether you, you know, think the whole physicist shtick is bullshit or not. He does think about things differently. I mean, he was the only guy in the pandemic to try to beef up 30 pounds and hit the ball, you know, 350 yards and take the gouge, the, uh, you know, the gouge and putt or whatever you want to call it to a new level. So I don't know. I, that was just my thoughts on it. I just wonder if he's misunderstood and maybe that's me caping for him, but I'm willing to accept that because there are guys that are worse for the game that have more popularity than Bryson. I think he's harmless. I think he's a dork, but I think he's harmless, and I think he's interesting for golf. So, anyway, just wanted to leave you guys with that one thought. Let's get to a couple of your mailbag questions before we get to Greg, the Meat Sharp Jones. Let's see. These are all going to be the sports-related ones before we kind of hit the grill corner and some of the TV-related ones on the back. So, say Arkansas hired Lane Kiffin instead of Ole Miss, and we ended up hiring Drinkowitz, what would the state of both fan bases be right now? Um, I think Arkansas would be a lot more excited because I think Elia Drinkowitz is a pretty good coach. I think what he's done at Missouri pretty so far, been so far so good. It's kind of too early to tell. I think he's recruited decently well. They were a decent football team last year through some quarterback issues in a weird uh, COVID year. But uh, I don't think you're generating the amount of excitement uh, right now. That's kind of why Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin, right? It's why people were drinking in the pavilion on a Monday, a finals week, the week he was hired. I mean, it's that's there's there's a it factor, a a, a persona, a a public hype factor, whatever you want to call it, with Kiffin 
that you don't get with other coaches. And that's part of why Keith Carter hired him. I wrote a column at the time he was hired and calling it Keith Carter's power move. And that was a lot of what played into it. You know, there's a good hire and then there's a power move and kind of the aura Kiffin brings with them is what made it a power move. And so I don't know where both fan bases would be right now. I think Missouri fans are probably optimistic because it's still new. They weren't terrible last year. He's recruiting well. He seems like a pretty put together guy. But uh, I don't think the level would be the same just because it's not Lane Kiffin and Lane Kiffin's personality. Let's see. Next question from KJ, the Rebel. Is it possible for Ely to play the slot? Are Pearson and Henry legit? Is Durkin the average? Well, a lot going on here. Let's start with the first one. Yes, I think Ely will play a lot of slot. We've covered that on a uh, previous podcast. I think they're going to supplement maybe a little bit of a, a hole or a gap in the receiving core with uh, Ely being moved around a lot and used in a lot of different areas. So I think you'll see Ely in the slot quite a bit. Are Pearson and, Pen- Pearson and Henry legit? Let's see. I don't know. Let's wait and see. Ole Miss needs a dynamic receiver. I think Henry could step right in and uh, have you know, kind of eye for some immediate playing time because the way, he, uh, the way he plays and kind of the way his game translates, he kind of could be the slot guy. And maybe you don't have to move Ely around as much, but it's still July. And so it's kind of wait and see mode on that one. Is Durkin an average defensive coordinator as the anonymous SEC coach implies? I don't know. I saw that quote. I don't intend to put a ton of stock into some of the, some of the anonymous quote, like stories that surfaced this time of year where they're basically reporters calling up guys asking for candid thoughts on people when you don't have to put your name behind it. And I'm not saying it's a good or bad practice. It's kind of part of the business. But before the whole Maryland thing happened, and I don't mean to put cast, cast, or like, you know, cast that aside as if that's not a big deal. But just that incident aside, if that doesn't happen, Durkin was kind of considered a rising star in the coaching industry. He had a really, you know, average to bad Maryland program on the up and up. And so average defensive coordinator, I don't know. They were brought in here to recruit, and they did pretty well in this last class. And uh, But this is a prove-it year. Don't make no mistake about it. They're going to need to show much better results on the field defensively this year. And even if the talent gap hasn't completely uh, – maybe gotten up to par to be a good disserviceable SEC defense. They need to look more like a Mac, Mike McIntyre defense and less like a Wesley McGriff defense. There doesn't need to be wide open receivers where the classic 2018 Ole Miss, the guy catches the ball and there's no one in the TV panoramic screen uh, within them. Like you get what I'm saying. There's dudes just egregiously aggressively wide open. Um, so I think this is going to be a prove it year. They need to look better. Uh, if, even if they aren't just, you know, miles ahead better in statistical categories, they certainly need to look better while doing it. With recent transfers such as Springer and Campbell, along with the rejoining of the team by Prince, so DeAndre Prince rejoining the team, to be able to assist Finley and Reese to bring some – bring back the Landshark. Sorry, this is a hard treat to read, and that's okay because it's Twitter – what can you actually expect from Gordon and Eitan? I think Gordon and Eitan are going to have to play uh, immediately and play a lot unless they just really fall behind and fall camp and show that they are not ready to get on the field. So I'll answer the second part of your question there. Uh, they're going to need to play a lot because there's holes on that interior defensive line, and uh, they're counting on Duco guys to be plug and play. And as far as your question up top, um, I think the linebacking core will be fine. I think Chance Campbell will – will have a chance to kind of uh, add some depth and solidify it. I have no idea if he starts. I think there's a decent chance he would. Uh, just reading the tea leaves on the whole Jacquez Jones move to Kentucky and a couple of other things. So I think the linebackers in the secondary will actually be much improved. I think the secondary will be much improved. I think the linebacking core will be fine, maybe slightly better than they were last year, which they were decent last year. Um, I think all eyes are on the defensive line, particularly the interior defensive line, 
if you're Ole Miss and you're kind of trying to play the results and gauge whether they're going to be better or worse this year um, because that was their problem last year. They couldn't stop the run and they couldn't generate a pass rush. And that put a young secondary in a lot of bad spots. And the linebacking core wasn't talented enough to overcome how soft they were in the middle on the interior defensive line. And it just caused a lot of problems. When your defensive line's bad, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ripple effect on the rest of your defense. And so uh, if you're looking for defensive improvement, I think Gordon and Iton are huge, huge pieces of that. And can Sam Williams make a jump and be more of a consistent player? He could be a back end, you know, second, early second round guy, I think, in the NFL draft. He's a physical freak, but, you know, he needs to do it every down or do it more consistently on every down. So that would be uh, the difference to me there. Should the Braves be buyer or sellers at the trade deadline? Also, which big name players might be traded this year? Uh, I'll save that one for another day, but uh, I think you may have answered your own question because five minutes after you sent this tweet, the Braves acquired Jock Peterson from the Cubs, who uh, appear to be selling. So even with Acuna out, and uh, granted, this is as much – I'm a huge baseball fan. I really love it. But this is as much – this is as little of Major League Baseball as I've watched in a while just because uh, I had a lot of stuff going on, uh, kind of the pod moving to Rebel Grove and Ole Miss Baseball having a deep run. I just haven't watched as much as I like to. I don't really follow a team anymore. When I went and did the Reds internship, uh, my Cubs fandom died off completely. So – I don't really have a team. I haven't watched as much, but uh, should the Braves be sellers? My answer to that before the Jock Peterson thing would have been just kind of hang pat, maybe sell some, sell off some, uh, you know, a, uh, supplemental pieces that aren't core pieces of what you're trying to do over the next four or five years, maybe get some value back for that. But, uh, you know, they've had some bad injury luck. And then they had Marcelo Zuna have the domestic violence thing. And that kind of derailed their season because he's not available to play, obviously, nor should he be. Um, so I would just kind of be a hold. I may be a light seller, but kind of hold and try to regroup for 2022. But it appears they're still going to try to find some way to make some sort of run at this. Uh, let's see. I think that was all the mailbag questions we had that were not grill corner related. I want to make sure I don't miss any. Yeah, that was all of them. So I just wanted to answer a couple of those at the top, offer some Bryson DeChambeau thoughts because I found that interesting as well. Um, so like I mentioned, we've got some cool stuff in the works uh, as far as podcast guests as I kind of try to plan out this football season. So stay tuned for that. But uh, without further ado, here's Greg, the Meat Sharp Jones. All right, we now welcome on Greg, the Meat Sharp Jones. The man needs no introduction back for another hybrid edition of Grill Corner slash Mailbag Friday. I'd call it a, uh, a summer pod where we'll just kind of take whatever Grill Corner, if you want some sports questions thrown in, we'll uh, – get into that probably some horse racing stuff at the end uh what's up man uh i would call it maybe the dead period pod before uh sec media day gets going and everything so, yeah, yeah that, i was like texting you earlier today that's the deadest this is the deadest of the dead time i mean how i had a guy on who, very nice man i don't want i don't mean to like dump on the pod i thought it was really interesting but i talked craft beer with the guy that i met in little rock a couple years back for Probably over an hour and a half. I cut some of it down, but uh, that that's the kind of content season we're at. But we're about to come out of it, right? You got SEC media days next week. Football will be here before you know it. But, uh, you know, mid-July is, uh, the you know, it, it is the dead period in terms of the content. You know, when I was doing this full-time, this is usually when you take vacation and, you know, kind of bide your time until media days in camp. Yeah, I would think so. Maybe a little British Open action, but that's about it. Yeah, this British Open's been tough because it's like – I wrote in the newsletter this week, it's my favorite major to watch. And I know that sounds like a golf hipster take, but I don't really have any deep meaning 
uh, to it other than I just enjoy got, watching guys hit shots that they wouldn't normally have to hit. Like the best players in the world really having to like think about playing golf a different way than they normally do. And that's why I like it. But it gets better on the weekend, right? Because you want to see the guys in contention and the time to get a little more reasonable. But with this, uh, you know, when I was a reporter, I didn't have an eight to five or whatever. This uh, eight to five action is not conducive to staying up all night watching the open. It kind of sucks. Yeah, no, what's really good about the uh, British Open is you wake up at 7 o'clock or whatever o'clock you wake up and they're playing golf. So, I mean, that's uh, that's always a, a plus. Yeah, it kicks ass on the weekend, right? Because, like, the final group, you wake up, you make some breakfast. At worst, the final group's off by, like, probably, what, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. But, uh, you know, when you're trying to watch the whole field the first two days, you yeah, you got dudes that teeing off at midnight that have finished their round by four o'clock in the morning when the coverage starts. Like it's uh it's a it's certainly different and weird, but I enjoy it. It's uh very aesthetically pleasing too. No Peter Alice this year sucks. Um, you know, part of the fun of it is the British announcers, and I haven't I didn't get to watch much of Thursday's round, so I hadn't seen who's been on the telecast. But uh love hearing guys talk about albatrosses and level par and uh British people, I would say Europeans in general, are a little bit, like, slightly more ruthless. And so I enjoy that that aspect of their announcing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Paul Eisinger is, uh, I don't know, kind of wearing down on me. So, yeah, I would say Peter Alice. Uh, even the BBC uh, broadcast is really good to watch. Yeah, and the British media in general is just kind of more ruthless. I learned that – I've been watching that F1 documentary. I say British, European uh media is just kind of more ruthless in general like the way they handle soccer coaches and stuff like that like not that anyone in the united states is like scared to ask questions but like those people don't even try to phrase things delicately like if you mess up they're just like like if you if, if mlb's had some sort of problem or whatever like you ran out of food they just be like hey what's wrong with you why'd you run out of food like they don't sugarcoat anything yeah i would think you know uh the guy that called bryson DeChambeau. uh Brooks was definitely did that on purpose for sure. And then the guy, just, that's a great example of it too. Even before that, you know, you saw that other clip where the guy was like, Hey, why don't you yell for like, just, just blurt it out, threw it on him. Like, there's no, yeah, there's no sugarcoating it involved. You know, the U S version of that would have been, you know, Bryson, there's been some reports out there that you don't maybe yell as four as quick enough as some other ones. Just your thoughts on that. But the British, like the European media, is just like, Hey man, why don't you yell for I mean, yeah, it's just basic and get to the point. And then uh, there's no sense in color and code it and make it, uh, uh, you know, made for TV proper uh, questions. You know, you got to pull the trigger on uh, what the facts are, really are. No kidding. It's almost like they're on to something there. Before we get into uh, some of the grilling questions and a couple other ones we got, uh, what's going on at the store? Update us what you got going on at LB's. Uh, check them out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. You probably just heard me say that in the open. Uh, those of you listening know what I'm talking about. So what you got going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, summer months in, uh, in Oxford is, you know, kind of laid back. The uh, students go back home and uh, kind of the locals get, uh, get their town back for at least a month and a half. So, yeah, it's just been laid back to the store, just uh, keeping everything stocked up. And, uh, yeah, just pretty basic. We got plenty. Uh, see, we got grouper, snapper, salmon, uh, some mahi and some fresh shrimp this weekend so always got that fresh shrimp and uh, fresh seafood coming in on Thursday and uh, just cut a bunch of uh, filet mignon so we got plenty of filets and everything for the weekend so should be a, a laid-back weekend for us 
I lived in Oxford the summer after my sophomore year of college. And I know you're, y'all guys, you guys are probably like, obviously just a little bit slower just because there's not that many people in town, right? Like the, the most of, a lot of the students are gone. There's no baseball weekends and all that. But yeah, you, you can actually get a, you can actually get a drink at the bar, you know? It, yeah, that's a great way to describe it. There's no uh, $20 cover and then you're elbowing people to try to get up by the bar. But does it get even out at all? And maybe it was just me and the group of people that I was with. And granted, I didn't, I was not, uh, educated on lbs at the time a lot of time we were slumming it at kroger or cash saver i almost feel like sinful saying that now but when i was a sophomore in college like there was not much to do and we were kind of on a budget so we would like play a little bit of golf or go do something and then like you know it was kind of dead at the bar and you know sophomore year like it's like peak social scene where you think you run the whole damn town and with no one being at the bar is kind of a bummer which is a long-winded way of getting to, we grilled out a ton. Is there any evening out where the students are just grilling out more because it's summer? Because I know that's something I did more often. Yeah, I mean, summer's usually a good time to grill. It's like uh, maybe go hang out at Sardis or go play golf, like you were saying, or something very basic where you don't spend a lot of money and then uh, go uh, hit up happy hour or something like that, and then you just stay at the house and, like, literally stay in the same exact clothes, like, all day. And uh, um, that's that, that's kind of like the summer feel that uh, Oxford has, I think. You just stay in the same clothes and you just hang out all day. Speaking of uh, not spending a lot of money, because you are a man of the people, if you subscribe to the Rippy Rights newsletter, which is rippyrights.substack.com, all you have to do is type in your email. And for being a subscriber, you get a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks and a pack of sausage for 5 bucks via uh the man on the other end of the line the meat sharp himself i don't know how you can beat that you slip him a 20 and you've got food for days yeah i mean you know you can either uh you know eat the steak uh now uh, at night and then save the sausage for maybe lunch make like a sausage dog or something like that or uh man there's there's a lot of options you can do with that sausage but yeah i mean for 20 bucks and get a 16 ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage uh, i mean you really can't beat that that's what uh, we in the biz call ambush marketing. Uh, just a little pro tip there. Let's get into some of these questions that we have. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's go right here. Let's see. Hold on. There was one I was wanting to get to in particular. What's the difference between a sear and a reverse sear? I'm throwing this to you. I don't even know. what that, I know what searing is. I don't know what reverse searing is. So this is all you. Well, okay, so uh, with the reverse sear, you want to put the steak in the uh, in the oven on low and bring it to temperature and let it rest and then just sear it on each side to get it to your uh, – so it's just basically like pre-cooking the steak with a, at a particular temperature and then finishing it off with a, uh, with a sear on each side. And then just – that's going to be the reverse sear, and then just the regular sear is just going to be – super hot on each side and then you know and then let it rest to get to the temperature so it's just basically like uh kind of cooking your meat uh, a little hand before it's it's just basically uh kind of like an easy way to get your steak to 115 to 110 degrees and then you turn around and let it rest and then char it on each side so it's just uh just an easy way to uh for cooking uh cooking your steak What's the benefit, like, what's the end goal or benefit of doing that versus not doing it? Like, if you're someone that enjoys doing that, what are you trying to get out of it? Uh, I mean, just you're trying to seal those juices that are, are cooked. 
So like uh, basically you kind of want to put it on your, like a, uh, a baking sheet pan and just put it in there for 350 for about, I would say to get, it depends on the thickness of the steak. Our house cuts an inch and a quarter. So like that's your basically a, a good standard size uh, cut of meat. So I would say 350 for probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes. I would check it after 10 minutes. It's probably going to be at like 80 to 85 degrees. And then, you know, probably put it back in there for five minutes because you don't want to put it in the oven and cook it to 135 because whenever you go to uh, sear it, it's going to, you know, cook it for another 10 degrees. That means it's going to be at 155. So you just want to kind of uh, basically uh, monitor it and just get it to internal temperature of like 110 to 115. And then that way you can sear it really, really hard and get a good char on it on each side for like two or three minutes and seal those juices in it. How complicated of a maneuver is this? Like, could a doofus like me do it or is this? Oh yeah. I mean, like you said, you just basically, you know, marinate your steak and put it on a sheet pan, preheat your oven, 350, throw it in there for about 10 to 15 minutes. And it's probably going to get cooked to about a hundred to 105 and then let it rest in there. And then it'll get to about 110, 115. And then put your, uh, get you a good cast iron skillet and put some butter and maybe saute some garlic or something like that. And then just when it starts smoking, just sear it on each side. And then uh, it'll probably take you about three minutes on each side. And then it should be, a perfect 125 to 130 uh, and that's what that, that's i prefer 120 to 125 you know because i like i like you know super rare good beef uh but that's just how i like to roll fair enough that uh that sounds pretty good the next one we had all right so did you see the one about the map because podcasting and this is not on the listener this is uh just me being a jackass uh, t- since podcasting is such a great visual medium, do you have you seen this? Have you seen the map? Yeah, we saw. Yeah, the, the map, the map of North Carolina. Or I'm, I'm just kidding. Yes, it's, that's yeah, it's good. one of the Carolinas. I, uh, <laughs> I think he said yeah, South, South Carolina. <laughs> one of those Carolinas out there. It's a map. It's like of, that. I think geography and and and, uh, and history was the only uh, class I passed in, in elementary. So uh, whenever he, he, I saw the map of South Carolina, and he was like. Oh, by the way, this is the map of South Carolina, uh, if you didn't know. So uh, I'm very fortunate that I passed uh, geography back in the day. That was actually one of the ones I was better at, too. It wasn't a math guy, but I could do some English and I could do some geography. Uh, and so Actually, MC and I got super bored. I think maybe it was during – had to be during quarantine because there's no way I would have just done this just because, but printed out a blank map to see how many, like, states and capitals you could get. Uh, I was actually under – underwhelmed by my performance she does it she admittedly like is very bad at shit like that so she didn't like know any of them so she was pretty thrilled about it but I don't remember what my numbers were it was pretty good but I remember like thinking I was a lot better than I was at it so uh I don't really know where I was going with that I'm just saying if you're really bored out there and you want to try to guess all the states on a blank map it's actually a little bit harder than you think because when you start getting into those midwest states and then the Northeast states are like, oh, wait, which one is this one again? Iowa, Nebraska. And then the Northeast ones where they're all different sizes and, you know, you don't know which one's Rhode Island, which one's Connecticut. I'm just making up names here. I don't know if I actually mistake those two. It's harder than you think. Yeah, no. Um, the uh, New Hampshire and Vermont. Uh, uh, Vermont is always a tough one because you're like, oh, which one goes this way? And, uh, and, and I would think – uh, I mean, obviously, North and South Dakota is pretty pretty easy because it's the top. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's just uh, very basic uh, elementary stuff that you got to keep your brain in tune on. So that was, that was good that y'all took advantage of that during quarantine. Yeah, it's this, it's a Kansas Nebraska Iowa mix. Like Oklahoma, pretty uh, pretty unique looking state. Like Illinois, yeah. Ohio, pretty self explanatory. It's that whole mix of like Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, where it's like, oh crap, I should know this. Yeah, before. it's it goes Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota. Correct. I, we'll go with it. I don't have a map up, but uh, it, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's wrong, but it's all good. We'll go to the next question. Now that we got the map out of the way, it is a map of – it's one of those classic – you know that guy that keeps trolling people with the here's the best restaurant in each college town thing, and he just pulls something out of his ass, and then people on the internet get very mad about how outrageous the list is. Have you seen this trend? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's how you get clicks and followers, right? Yeah, that's what uh, that's the secret to the biz is just have the most outlandish thing possible. Have people on the internet get mad about it. I still haven't seen the like. No one's really given me the PowerPoint presentation on the sustainability of that business model. But hey, Stephen A. Smith is making twelve million a year, so uh, I don't really. It's all in the same neighborhood, right? Because it's like, who in the hell wakes up in the morning and is like, I cannot. I, the finals last night, great game four. Who in the hell is waking up and is like, I cannot wait to see what Skip and Shannon have to say about this. Like, what yeah, – introduce me to that I guy. I don't get that. Yeah, I, I man, I, I haven't watched the NBA in a hot minute. I, uh, but it, anything, the, NFL, whatever. Like, you get my yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. It's like uh, – I mean, the only thing I really uh, miss about the whole – I mean, like, I remember back whenever Sports Center used to be really awesome and they'd have, like, the same episode for, like, th- three hours straight. And when I'd like wake up and like wait, watch the, like the seven o'clock one, and be like, oh man, I can't wait to watch the eight o'clock one and see that highlight again. You know, now you can rewind it and stop and that sort of thing. So it's like I don't know. Uh, I, I, I like the, I, I miss that back in the day on the Sports Center stuff. Those days are over with. All you have is the Scott Van Pelt, and then you know you'll occasionally get the blast from the past if you're up really late one night, maybe like after a college football game or just up late in general, you know, sometimes you get it during college basketball season. They, they've kept some of those old sports center anchors on the West coast, the Neil Everett's, the Stan Verrett's um, out there. And that's a little bit of a blast from the past, but I'm with you the whole like days of waking up and watching sports center kind of over. And I felt like that all got lumped into the category of, Oh, well, there's social media. See the heights immediate that highlights immediately, but there's kind of an art to it, right? Like you got attached to, Stuart Scott and oh, yeah, the weird man. stuff that Neil Everett said and like oh, the personalities yeah. of it. And now it's just I, been replaced with morning talk show crap. Oh, it's garbage, hot garbage. I, I don't even – I couldn't imagine listening to Stephen A. Smith for 30 minutes, much less five minutes. But, but yeah, salary, I mean like, – That's what I was kind of getting at. The salaries justified. They keep paying these Skip Baylisses and the Stephen A. Smiths of the world more and more money. And I'm sure it's justified because the people running these corporations are assumedly smarter than I am. Assumedly is not even a word, so I just proved my own point. I'm assuming they're smarter than I am. I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, like, like, the whole thing was, like, whenever Stuart Scott did, like, it could be the Nets versus the 76ers. and And, like, both teams are in last place. And, like, Stuart Scott will be doing the highlights, and he'll be like, he he put the biscuit in the basket, or like do, or like he was sweet like candy, straight like butter, you know, and just 
stuff like that. And it's just like, I, I miss stuff like that. Now it's just like, Oh, he, uh, he was on fire today. And, uh, he made four, like Steph Curry made six three pointers in a row. Yay. You know, I don't know. I just miss that, uh, that miss that, you know, that charismatic call on those highlights. There's an art to it. As I was saying a second ago, you're exactly right. And an example from last night was, so, like, I know you didn't watch the uh, the NBA game, but, like, Giannis Antetokounmpo had a sick block with about a minute left on a lob from uh, De- from Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. And, honestly, I swear to God, I was sitting there watching it last night, and I think SVP came on afterward. And I like SVP. I just don't make it up for his show very often. But, like, it got me thinking. I was like, I wonder how, like, Neil Everett or Stuart Scott or someone would have called that, right? Like there's an art to it to how they would have called it, particularly in the biggest moments. And we just, you just don't get that anymore. I mean, half the time you turn on sports center and it's just filling up feeder time on ESPN two or ESPN news. And you don't know who the hell the anchors are. And it's just, I get, it's a thing of the past, but like I saw someone got let go from ESPN a while back. I can't remember who the personality was. I want uh, to Kenny, was, Maine. Kenny Maine. Kenny yeah. Maine. You're, maybe you're, uh, maybe you know where I'm going with this. Some random guy in the comments was like tagging Dave Portnoy and was like, "Let Kenny Maine do a Sports Center style like, style like stream at Barstool. People would watch that." And at first, I was like, "Ah, it's kind of silly, just a random guy with an idea." But the more and more I thought about it, like Kenny Maine was never exactly my cup of tea, but he's still in that same like neighborhood of those old Sports Center guys that were like funny and witty or whatever. I think I would watch that if they showed me seven minutes of what happened in sports last night and just let Kenny Maine do it sports center style. I think I would love to consume that. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I don't know on Snapchat, they have sports center on Snapchat and it's probably the worst. I mean, I, I think I watched two minutes of it and I was like, I really wish I had that two minutes of my life back. Like it was that bad. <laughs> we were uh, my age group was a weird Snapchat era where it was coming up where I was just getting into college, just out of high school so it became, how can you send the most salacious shit that you would never want an employer to see and only send it to your buddies? So, like, I, Snapchat, I have, like, a little bit of scarring from the early days of Snapchat. If my mother's listening to this, I apologize. Nothing ever bad. I'm gainfully employed. But you get my point. I've never gotten into, like, the social highlight aspect of Snapchat, but maybe that's just the time I grew up and how it came in. Anyway, that was, uh, that was one hell of a tangent, but who the hell cares? It's summer. This is a map. We just looked at a map of South Carolina and went from states to what's wrong with media these days. And we're sitting here begging for questions. That's why they pay us the big bucks, Greg. Uh, Anyway, this guy's question, this is a map of South Carolina, and it's one of those classic, like, things that's probably not true, like each state's favorite fast food restaurants type of deal, but it's labeling parts of South Carolina and how they prefer their barbecue sauce. But the map aside, I'm interested by this because it's categorized to – Light tomato, heavy tomato, mustard, and vinegar pepper. Uh, the only one I really understand is the vinegar pepper. There's a ton of tomato stuff in uh, barbecue sauce. Am I stupid for, for asking that? Yes, tomato is what makes that uh, kind of that Memphis-style barbecue, that, that sweet baby rays. That's what kind of makes uh, sweet baby rays is tomato. Okay. Tomato, tomato paste. So what do you prefer? I know you – I want to remember from the last couple – we've gotten a lot of barbecue questions do, – like barbecue sauce questions doing these segments, uh, you know, through the months or whatever. And I remember you saying you're kind of a vinegar guy. But, like, yeah, kind of take me yeah. through each one. Like, which, like, the sweet kind of barbecue sauce that I like, is that heavy tomato or light? Yes, that's going to be heavy tomato. Okay. Yes. So that's where be, do you fall on the spectrum? 
I mean, you know, there, it just depends on what I'm doing. I mean, like, I really like that vinegar because uh, uh, it's almost kind of like a mop. You can just, uh, you know, uh, spray some on or something like that. And, it, you know, it it's almost keeps its uh, dry rub flavor, uh, it keeps. But uh, the, the, you know, like that Texas, uh, the KC Masterpiece and Sweet Baby Ray's, that's heavy tomato, that's heavy tomato paste. So that's, uh, that's almost like a sweeter sauce. But, uh, you know, it's all a different preference. I mean, like I said, it's just that vinegar just, I, I just like vinegar, it just, I don't know, I just, like that wet vinegar uh, on my pulled pork instead of that, you know, kind of sweet, heavy paste uh, barbecue sauce. I mean, it's just, again, it's a matter of preference, really. I mean, there's no right, there's no wrong. I mean, you know, but um, I just prefer that vinegar. But like, like whenever you get your uh, pulled pork sandwich, you know, uh, you'd probably go straight for that, you know, that basic barbecue sauce that's you know kind of like that memphis style uh but that's got heavy tomato paste in it so that's why it's kind of thick like that so what's a light tomato is that just slightly less sweet and a little more tangy yeah like, it's just gonna be a lighter yeah it's not gonna have as much tomato paste it's gonna be a little bit uh lighter tomato it's not gonna be as much or heavy as tomato paste so it's just gonna be probably uh, a light tomato paste with a vinegar to maybe thin it out maybe some uh, apple cider goes in there also to thin it out but it's just a thinner uh, tomato paste based barbecue sauce what's uh so like how does the mustard factor into the taste I, I, mustard may be the one i've never actually heard of what's like a like oh, first of all we'll back up is there a light tomato barbecue sauce like in terms of a name brand that comes to mind um Okay, well, Sweet Baby Ray's is going to be a super thick one, okay. kind of like that KC masterpiece, like you know your basic craft original. The uh, the uh, lighter one probably would be. I don't know if you've had Sharon sauce. Sharon sauce. I know uh, what that is. Uh, but yes, that's kind of a that's almost that's a light tomato. That's a light tomato. It's almost a vinegar in a way, but it's a light tomato uh, tomato base uh, barbecue sauce. But the vinegar is just straight like vinegar, um, um, uh, you know, so, uh, cider, and it's just got a little bit of uh, peppers and like, like just to give it. So it's almost like liquidy, you know, a uh, liquidy barbecue sauce. Okay. What it's almost kind of like a hot sauce uh, texture. Oh, like, okay, so really, that's, a, that's a light tomato, like a hot saucy texture, a little more runny, less yeah. viscous, viscousy, I think if I'm saying that word correctly. Correct. Yes, exactly right. I once got paid to write for a living, and I'm asking about word pronunciations, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, okay, so where does mustard factor in? What's like a mustardy barbecue sauce? Um, I would say mustardy. I mean, well, a lot of uh, people, you know, they take their ribs and they take their uh, brisket and stuff like that, and they put mustard as a base, and then, then they do their dry rubs because mustard is like a – a base that will keep hold on on your on your meats and stuff like that so mustard probably like I'm trying to think of a famous one well i mean shit um delta uh delta ridge did an awesome one it was called bee sting and it was a uh a spicy mustard barbecue sauce it was really really good so I don't know if he's making that anymore, but I would say mustard weed would be 
maybe like Buffalo Wild Wings, kind of like something similar like that. Kind of okay. like, you know, kind of like that texture a little bit. Okay, that uh, that makes sense. And then lastly, vinegar kind of speaks for itself. So like, but just for the people out there, uh, kind of go to the same run through for a vinegar one. Yeah, I mean, a vinegar is almost just going to be a real light. It's almost kind of like a, uh, almost, I would say, like ponsu seasoning. I mean, ponsu for sushi, you know, almost kind of like a, a real light, liquidy uh, base. Um, it's just going to be real runny. It's going to be a real runny barbecue sauce. It's not going to have much texture to it at all. Okay. So that, uh, that just went through the full realm. So to analyze the map and pick your favorites, I guess I'm going with the east side of the state because I'm a sweeter, heavier tomato guy. Are you the opposite? Are you vinegar, pepper? Yeah, I like the vinegar and pepper kind of guy. What about light tomato versus uh, mustard? Where does that rank on the scale? I mean, you know, I would actually probably kind of combine the two and make a make a thing. I like to I like to mix things. I'm a I'm a mixer. Okay, so somewhere in uh, just mixing it all up, I like that. So good question there. Yeah, I mean, get your little a ramekin and squirt half of it, squirt half of it, and mix it mix it together, and make kind of like a a light a light mustard rub for uh to dip your sandwich in. Got it. Squirting and mixing, which is a good uh, which is a good uh, headway into this one because this is some impeccable phrasing. Uh, same guy. If you had to wrestle a type of meat, which meat do you think you could beat? Uh you know. I- I wouldn't say I'm I, I'm a professional meat beater, but I mean I do handle meat properly. Um, <laughs> yeah, if anyone, I was about to say I couldn't even claim that title. If there's anyone that wants to go full on, yes, I beat meat for a living. It's got to be you, because you mean you got knives, you got all kinds of stuff to meats. Yeah, I mean I I just don't have a a, a meat tenderizer that you know I just bang in, in the back on it and just you know hopefully it gets tender, but. Uh, um, if there was, <laughs> I don't know, man, you know, those briskets, they're probably about like 15, 16 pounds, you know, if you got slapped with a brisket, I think that would hurt. It's um, the one, which one you could beat though. If I'm going to beat one meat, I think it's going to go by American style bacon. I saw some Brit, some British open or open championship content earlier this week where they're asking the Englishmen all these questions and they said, um, American bacon sucks because it's so brittle and it breaks. So that sounds like an easy one to beat if you're trying to beat some meat. So have, have you ever have you ever seen a British breakfast before? Uh, no, but I imagine it's uh, it's they, it, they they eat baked beans for breakfast. Okay, well that's uh maybe that's why it smells a little funky over there, particularly. And in, the, in their in their in their sausages are like those little Jimmy Dean sausages, but like they just burn the crap out of them. And it's got like a piece of toast and a egg over easy, uh, but no, I, seriously, I, I I have some whole city fans that I follow, and they'll post like their breakfast, and it literally has baked beans on it, and it's like the ham, the the bacon is uh, like Canadian bacon, like it's like ham that they fry. Right, and they all prefer it that way. I, all the uh, British golfers were saying that American bacon is trash, but I kind of like the crunchy style of the bacon. I'm not sure I'd go to the ham style. Don't they also have – I've seen this in the movies before. Like the, It's something that looks like a hybrid between like scrambled eggs and uh, like grits, but it's not that at all. I don't know what uh, – maybe someone more cultured out there could enlighten me on what that is, but some sort of white like uh, 
pasty type substance to where it's neither one of the things I just described, but it looks like it. So that's a, that's a real cultural, uh, cultural drop for you. Yeah. I'll have to, uh, we'll get so it looks, that. Yeah. It, so it looks like grits, but it's eggs. It kind of looks like a hybrid between grits and eggs in terms of like, it's a, like scrambled eggs or grits, like in its appearance, something in between there, but it's neither. And I don't know what it is. Yeah, like I said, man, like the first time I saw British breakfast, I was like, you like eating baked beans with your eggs? Like, I don't, I mean, that's just kind of, kind of weird. Yeah, that's a weird one. I'm not a, I like baked beans as much as the next guy, but when I'm rolling out of bed at 9 a.m., a lot of times the stomach's a little too questionable to be reloading with some uh, gaseous material. So, yeah, yeah um, for sure. Especially I'm probably not going, day, not going beans that early. That's a, that's a savage move, but maybe that's why they're British. They're just a little, we talked about them not being scared earlier. They're just not scared. They'll roll into the day, they'll walk into that 10 a.m. meeting just ripping ass. No one cares. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, hey, the, uh, the beans for Brecky were, uh, we're, we're a little on the crusty side, so, I mean, you know, but, yeah, uh, uh, way, way to start your day off with uh, a, a nice can of uh, pork and beans to go with uh, your egg and a piece of toast and a burnt piece of uh, bacon. Getting this podcast back on the rails as if that's even a possible uh, anytime we do a podcast. Uh, we do have a submission that says, does LB, LB sell beef ribs? Do you like beef or pork ribs better and why? So a little two-parter for you. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously there's going to be a nice price difference between the two. Um, you know, I, and all honestly, I like cooking uh, the beef short rib better than I like cooking a brisket. Uh, beef short rib is just so much flavor and so much, you know, richness that it just all you need is like, I don't know, maybe two or three bites. The last time I smoked beef short rib, I did the whole plate rib. So I do two different types of ribs that we sell. NLBs as far as beef ribs. We do the whole beef plate rib, which is a three bone plate long plate rib. So it's like, it almost looks like a slab, like a, 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 a small square. And then uh, we do the uh, old English cut style, which is the slab cut in half. So they're little bitty, like short, short ribs that you, you know, just put in the smoker and smoke for a little bit. Um, those beef short ribs are unbelievable. That's one of my favorite things to eat. Uh, as far as the pork rib, I mean, you can't go wrong with baby back ribs. You can't go wrong with that St. Louis style rib, which is that short rib that's trimmed out. Then you smoke those rib tips. So really can't go wrong with any of them. It's just, you know, how much money you want to spend, you know, and, and how, how well you like your friends. If, uh, if you like your friends and you want them to eat good, then I would probably, get three or four short ribs and a rack, you know, and a rack of baby back ribs or spare or spare ribs and, you know, feed everybody and have a little, uh, a little pork and beef uh, rib taste. Which ones are more expensive and considered like fine or dining? Beef, the beef ribs going to be a lot more expensive. If you're looking at say the uh, baby back ribs and the St. Louis style ribs are right around like seven ninety five a pound. And the short rib is right around like, Eighteen ninety-five a pound. So, I mean, it's a pretty big difference, but about a ten-dollar difference. But you know, it's two different products. Uh, that beef short rib is just very, very rich in flavor, and you really—I mean, like what it's called is what they usually call them as dinosaur ribs. So it's just basically like the three long plate ribs, and uh, 
a lot of people what they do is they take the um, the silver skin off the, of the back of the beef rib and they just smoke it whole and whenever it's ready you just pull the three bones out and then put it on the cutting board and just chop it and you'll have like chopped beef like pulled pork kind of and make uh, beef sandwiches out of it. it's really really good is that why it's not a little more mainstream just because of the price of it? Like it's cheaper? Correct. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, braise short ribs. A lot of people throw uh, short ribs in the crock pot. I mean, I would think that's uh, – that would make me cringe if uh, somebody came in and got some beef short ribs, uh, those, you know, those old English cuts and threw them in the crock pot. But, you know, it is what it is. But uh, what I usually do is I throw them on the smoker until they get to about – I don't know, 150, 155, and then wrap them up and then throw them back on the smoker until they get to about 200 degrees. And then that bone just slides up and you just chop it up and put it on a sandwich. And man, it's, it's so good. It's really, really rich. I mean, it's, it's the, it's a ribeye. It's basically like eating a ribeye. Okay. So that's uh that's quite interesting. What's uh you probably just explained it to some degree, but if you're throwing them both on like a grill or something, is there any huge difference in the way you cook them? Yeah, because, you know, like the uh, the short, the beef rib, you want to kind of uh, get that bone really, really hot to where the bone pulls out. Kind of very similar to the baby back and the, uh, and the uh, St. Louis rib. Um, what I usually do with ribs, and, you know, everybody, you know, eats their ribs differently. You know, a lot of people low and slow it and then, you know, cut it off and where it's perfectly, you know, cut off the bone like, there's a lot of people that like to smoke those uh, baby back ribs and then wrap them up in tinfoil and put barbecue sauce on them and then put them back on the smoker to where those bones pull out just like that beef short rib does. And, uh, you know, take that, ch chop up that, uh, pull the bones out. I don't know. I, there's a, uh, I've seen an Instagram video of how they took baby back ribs and they put them in the oven and they baked them at, for like, I don't know, 250 for like an hour and a half. And then they uh, un undid them and then sauced them and put them back in there. And then, uh, uh, and then put uh, the whole rack of ribs on a, on a French, on a whole, you know, roll of French bread and then pulled the bones out. And then it was a, it was a McRib po' boy. Oh, that sounds pretty solid. Yeah. So, like, whenever they uh, took, whenever they took the uh, ribs out of the tinfoil the second time, they were already like super sauced, and so they just set it on top of the bread and then just pulled those bones out because it was, you know, cooked to about 180 to 190 degrees internal temperature. So it was real like loose, and just pull those bones right out and just, uh, you know, ate meat and bread sandwiches. It was pretty good. Look pretty good. We got another follow-up on uh, the mac and cheese. People are getting crazy with the mac and cheese. So we had the Cheetos guy who he followed up to clarify what well, he followed up a couple of times. Maybe uh, I can't remember what – I'm not going back to that one. We have another in the wild mac and cheese. Uh, what about the mac and cheese ice cream? Have you dove off in that yet? That's what the question we has. What is that a thing? I don't – so I – and I get people just hate everything that's new, and I'm, I'm willing to raise my hand up right now and say I admit that this is probably what I'm doing. But ice cream to me is either like sweet or have a very distinct flavor, and yeah. cheese ice cream does, does not seem great to me. But I will defer. It sounds like you might have had it. Have you done the mac and cheese ice cream? Well, I, uh, I, I, uh, 
Daryl Robel, uh, in, in that the the guy on Twitter that like does the cards and stuff. Sure. Yeah, I think I think his last name is Ravel or something like that. Oh, oh anyway. Darren Ravel. Yeah, Ravel. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Sorry, he, you threw me off for a second. I was like, who are you talking about? Yes, Darren. Yeah, absolutely. Don't yeah, no. his content, but whatever. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I follow him uh, just because he posts like I don't know, like cool uh, tickets and how much that stuff is. But he did a uh, he did a uh, review on it, and man, I just I can't get. I mean. I don't like cold mac and cheese anyway, so I. Who does? That, People like that. Is that a thing? I don't know. I mean, like, uh, suppose, man. I don't know. I, I I can't I can't form an opinion on it because I hadn't had it. I mean, do do I want to go out and like look for it? I don't think I'd go out and look for it. But if it just happened to like fall in my lap, I think I definitely would try it. I just don't. I don't. I just. I mean, would it just be like? frozen cheese that has a noodle flavor dude your guess is as good as mine i'm in the same camp like if someone had it around and was like hey try this i wouldn't be weird about it i'd just eat it but i would never walk by a store and be like "Ooh, mac and cheese ice cream here's 10 yeah that's that just doesn't i mean yeah the yellow colors throw me off too i've eaten sherbet before but this looks this looks ominous this looks strange i'm not i'm not loving the way it looks either maybe it's just the photo maybe it's the lighting who knows but uh am i biting in that i'm expecting a sherbet flavor and if i get some weird cheese i'm probably gonna uh be cranky about it so i'm not i'm not sure about this it's just a head scratcher i mean it's just I, I just, I mean, well, what do you eat with it? You can't eat like crackers with it, you know? I, yeah, my so MC's into this all like she's go, she's big into Trader Joe's or whatever, and she has this dip that everything but the bagel dip or whatever that I think's pretty good. And she bought everything but the bagel ice cream, and I was like, this isn't going to be any good. And then I ate it, and I was like, actually, this is pretty damn good, and ended up liking it. So, like, I get that you can – like, ice cream may be a little bit more versatile from a flavor standpoint than maybe you would think on the surface just because how you traditionally view ice cream. But cheese is not something I can wrap my head around with ice cream. I just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, the thought of eating crunchy cheese are, like, frozen. Like, like you know, they just – I don't know, man. It just throws a red flag for me. Yeah, that's uh, that's not not great. The last question we'll ha- we have for you before we get into some horse racing and get out of here is if you, if you could watch – one season of one TV show for the rest of your life, what are you choosing? Wow. Um, TV shows. Man, there's so many good TV shows that, well, I mean, like old school, like, you know, kind of like Seinfeld and stuff like that. I mean, you know, like, I'd hate to say Saved by the Bell because that's probably what they, my, like, my kid, inner kid would probably say. Because who who wouldn't want to see Kelly Kapowski like every other episode? Um, gosh, that's an interesting one. I I don't have a I don't have a like I don't have that great of a diverse TV portfolio in terms of the like shows I've seen. So I'm just gonna go you know one of the seasons like two through four of The Office. Like that shit's kind of timeless. I'd pro- that's probably a solid choice. See, I have never watched The Office, and I'll probably get crucified for it. But it is what it is. Like my uh, the, the one of the guys named uh, a horse Voodoo Mama Juju, and that's an Office <laughs> re- reference. 
And yeah. I was just like, what, why, why are we naming a horse that? They're like, oh, because they're big fans of The Office. And, you know, they thought it was really funny. And I was like, oh, I guess I need to watch that episode. So, you know, so I can understand why we're naming a horse Voodoo Mama Juju. So um, <clears throat> did you watch that episode or did you know so, what I was yeah. talking about? Yes, I do, and I was late. So I was a late, late bloomer to the office as well. And I say late, I ended up watching it probably junior year of college. This is five, six years ago at this point, I think, maybe longer than that. Uh, that's tough, tough, tough middle picture there. Anyway, um, the yeah, I I was late on it as well. Uh, you would like it though. Like I don't, I, I hate when everyone's like, you have to watch this show. Like you'll love it. It's sort of like, yeah, maybe, but do I have time to commit to it? Office is one of those things you have to commit to. It's kind of timeless. You can throw it on whenever. It's awesome. You would like it. So I would highly recommend it. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I, I like Family Guy. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there's uh, so many episodes of Family Guy that I've watched. Uh, but again, that's a cartoon. So I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, um, man, that, that's a really good question. But there's just because there's so many different shows that, you know, you can you can get you can sink into and uh, um it can't be like a narrative one. Like it has to be like a oh, this is a each episode I'm tuning in for funny stuff instead of a like slow build like a Yellowstone or something. Because if you're picking out like a one season of Yellowstone or Billions or The Sopranos or something, you're just gonna get confused and it's gonna suck. Like there, there can't be a gradual storyline. It has to be kind of like funny and like you could go without knowing how the rest of it goes. If that makes sense. Yeah, I would say. Well, with that being said, then um, man. I mean, I, I like Family Guy. I mean, I really feel like – and I, I think early Simpsons was really good stuff. Like, uh, I mean, even though – how many years is the Simpsons going on now? Like 20-something? It's an impressive run they got going over there. The longevity, whether you watch the Simpsons or not, you got to respect it. Uh, I mean, I mean, you probably never heard of Quantum Leap, but, I mean, I liked Quantum Leap. I mean, I thought that was a cool show. Yeah, that was another good one. Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, we can sit here and go on and on about uh, decent shows that we could probably watch for one season. But, um, I mean, you know, a lot of people stay friends. I mean, uh, I mean I'll mean, i check out Jennifer Anderson and Courtney Cox for, you know, a whole season. I mean, yeah, that sounds good. That's a good example, I guess, of what I was talking about to where it's like, yes, there is a general storyline and it kind of builds, but you could be okay with one season of it. That's a good example. Yeah, I mean, Full House would be another good example. George Lopez, nice little uh, Nickelodeon, Nick at Night sleeper. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of. It's just hard to be like, all right, this is what I'm going to watch for the rest of my life, and I'm going to watch season one through nothing, and that's it. Right. So anyway, uh, I think we gave some good options there. Um, that was all the uh, meats slash uh, cinema questions we had. But uh, before I let you get out of here, what's uh, what's the latest on the horse racing? You bought a horse, not, bought into a horse not too long ago. What's the latest on the track? Oh uh, yeah, well I've got um, um, well I think the last time we did the podcast, uh, Jenna's little Agnes uh, was running in a stakes her uh, stakes race. She ended up finishing fourth place, which is a really good uh, uh, start for her. It was her fourth start, so she's already running the stakes race, and she's actually running in another stakes race in Pennsylvania uh, on Monday. So we'll see how she does. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, the horses are going to run around in a circle, and at least you hope they uh, finish before the other horses. But Saratoga just started. Saratoga's uh, first day back was uh, today. So 
uh, lots of action at Saratoga. I uh, sent you a uh, bet ticket uh, that I hit today. I hit a nice little pick three today that uh, paid uh, paid uh, four twenty five, I think. So uh, it's always good to hit a pick three. And a pick three is you pick a particular amount of horses in one race, pick a particular amount of horses in the next race, and then the next race. And if you pick all three winners, then you get paid out. So. Uh, you know, so I had a pretty good little pick three that hit today, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's that time of the year. There's going, uh, Saratoga just started out. Del Mar is about to start this weekend. Um, so those are kind of like the top end pristine, uh, race courses, uh, for the summer. So it should be, should be some action going on at, uh, Saratoga this, uh, this weekend. So I always like to, uh, bet Saratoga and, uh, Del Mar is right outside of San Diego, so I'm thinking about making a trip out there because I got a couple buddies out there. So I don't know, hadn't hadn't pulled the trigger yet, but I think I'm either going to go to Saratoga for a weekend or probably go to Del Mar. Probably probably Saratoga. I've been told that I need to go to Saratoga, so uh, I'm probably going to do Saratoga this year. There you go, just all over the globe these days. Uh, the Bob Baffert of the South is probably what we're going to have to try to get sticking. And uh, Oh, yeah, that's just what I need. Is uh, I, I actually bought a Bob Baffert uh, shirt today. It's got uh, it's the Roger Goodell, the clown, clown nose. nose. Hell yes, yeah. I love it. I'll have to show you a picture of it. It's, uh, it's him uh, holding the Kentucky Derby trophy, and it's him with a big old clown nose on it. It's uh, – it's pretty cool. So the people need um, a picture of that for sure. Definitely send me that. That's uh, that's quite something. I, I <laughs> where does one acquire such a thing? I, I mean, you know, and it's funny. Like, um, I, I got some rules and regulations on Saratoga. Like, you can't wear shorts. You have to wear, you know, like pants and a jacket. Yeah, I mean, so uh, you know, I guess this horse racing stuff's pretty fancy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not real fancy, but. Uh, I guess I can wear a, like a, you know, a, a seersucker to Saratoga for the weekend. Hell yeah. That is Greg, the meat sharp Jones. I appreciate your time as always, dude. This was fun. We'll do it again. You know what we're going to have soon? NFL Sunday picks. Oh yeah, man. We got to get the, got to get the pick machine go, going again. You know, it's, uh, it's hard uh, being 75%, you know, every year. So we'll probably, we'll shoot for 80. Cannot wait, dude. It's going to be here before we know it. We'll do another grill corner or two in the meantime. I appreciate the time as always. Check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Oxford's lucky to have it. Absolutely the best place in Mississippi and in the world for that place to get meat. I appreciate it, dude. We'll talk soon. As always, y'all have a good weekend.